Hi, and welcome to Financial Planning Explained. I'm your host, Mike Menninger, certified financial planner, owner and founder of Menninger & Associates Financial Planning. As I've always discussed, uh, the purpose of my show is to provide an educational experience to my viewers, and to the extent that I could possibly make it entertaining, I try to do the same thing there too. Um, but ultimately, at the end of the day, I wish it for it to be an educational experience. So typically, we cover the six areas of financial planning or one of the above. Well, what are the areas? You got cash management, tax planning, uh, insurance planning, investment planning, retirement planning, and estate planning. Uh, I normally seek out guests where preferably I have them in the studio, but it's not working out in this one. Um, but what I really like to have is a guest who can provide some insight specifically on one of those topics. Uh, but in this case, uh, it's a little bit of a surprise and that I'm really excited about this guest. And to the extent that there's no way in the world with so much to talk about that we're even possibly going to get this into one episode. So I made a command decision uh, with Larry Faulkner, who's my guest. Uh, we're going to do this in two episodes. So anyway, uh, what Larry did in advance, uh, normally I speak to my guests in advance to determine whether or not there'd be a good guest for the show. Uh, Larry was spot on, that was really fast. And what he did is he sent me uh, one of his books. And I read, Larry, you got three books, right? Right. All right. So he sent me one of his books, and it's this one, and you'll see it again. Um, it's called From Money Disaster to Prosperity. And so anyway, I was really excited. I read the book with the intent and knowledge that we were going to be doing this show. And I was taking little notes for the purpose of identifying little things that we could talk about. And I'm like, there's no way in the world we get this done in a half an hour. So we decided we're going to do two episodes. So with no further ado, I would like to introduce my guest today, Larry Faulkner. Larry, thank you for joining me on my show. Thank you very much. I really appreciate the opportunity to talk with you. Good, good, good. Well, tell me a little bit about yourself and what got you into doing what you do and what, tell me what you do and how, what, give me your backstory. Okay, the, the backstory is that uh, I had a pretty rough childhood. Uh, some physical abuse, perhaps some mental abuse. And uh, this caused, as a very young teen, really bad behaviors. Uh, when I'm like 12, 13, 14, I'm drinking alcohol, I'm smoking marijuana, I'm skipping school, I'm doing terrible things. I'm barely passing uh, school at all. As a matter of fact, I can remember doing just the bare minimum it takes to pass and figuring out what that bare so minimum So far, you're was. talking almost everything like I did when I was younger. Isn't that what we did in the 70s yes. or 80s, yes. 70s? Yes, but the skipping school, the drug part, yeah, I understand uh, that. alcohol I understand part, that. yeah, that, that's not good. Of course and not. That behavior continued. I was lying to everyone about nearly everything. And that behavior continued until I was uh, almost a junior. And then I realized a junior in high school. I'm not really headed to any place that I want to go. Right. Uh, I'm not going to accomplish anything. I'm doing destructive things rather than constructive things. So I wanted to change that. Luckily, I had a good habit of reading 
even though I wouldn't read my schoolwork, of course, <laughs> I would read huge amounts on my own. So I had read the book. Uh, uh, How to Win uh, Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie. I read yes. it myself a I'm number sorry. of years ago. Yes. That one. So that taught me about goal setting and making a life that you want, self-determination. Uh, Carnegie set goals, sales goals, and he moved forward and he accomplished them. And that really inspired me. And that kind of percolated for a while until I finally decided that, uh, you know, I wanted something different for my life. I decided I wanted to be wealthy and uh, prosperous, and I decided I wanted to help people. So I moved forward from that from that position. Well, and uh, later I became a police officer. Yep. As a matter of fact, that was the goal sitting in high school. I decided I wanted to be a police officer. So I had to straighten up and cleaned up my background. And I moved forward and I got the job. I started moving forward. And when I started moving towards my finances, creating my financial goals, uh, there was huge amounts I, I didn't know. And what those age are you now at this point, it Larry? my progress. At what so age I had to were do you? a lot of self-study. And uh, luckily, uh, I eventually got with a, a wife that, that shared the same personal and financial goals that I had. So we moved forward and uh, we crushed the financial goals. And uh, all that learning I had done uh, prompted me to begin teaching other police officers about financial planning, about uh, saving and investing. And that led to other classes with uh, firemen and then with doctors and lawyers. And then uh, I picked up a financial education certification uh, class and certificate. And from there, I moved to one of my loves, since I liked reading, was writing. So now I can pretty much do whatever I want that, you know, the boss, my wife. Yeah. Well, first of all, thank you for your service. Um, I, I can't, I have the utmost respect for police officers. And I have a hard time believing that the enthusiasm for becoming a police officer today is the same as it may have been. Uh, decades ago, given where things are at, but I don't want to go down that path. But thank you for your service. Uh, I think that's wonderful. Uh, need many, many more people like yourself dedicated to the service and servicing the community. Um, also, what I find, eh, I don't know about remarkable, but I applaud you for, um, I, I certainly didn't, you know, because I had a lot of the same sort of background that you may have had as far as being a cut up and I'm sure people who know me have a hard time right. believing I was the class clown. But um, for you to come to that realization at the age of 16 is actually way ahead of your time. Okay, as far as most kids at the age of 16, especially those who call it on the wrong side of the street, to flip over to that is remarkable in itself and what I also really really um, cherish or respect is how you've taken that to become helping other people again that's your police officer mentality of helping other people and I know just reading your book you were talking about you serve go to the prisons to um, you do it as a community service you're not paid right. for that are you Yes, uh, I started teaching in the jails. A lot of people were afraid to do that. 
but with my background, I was not. I understand that uh, most most of those guys have a drug and alcohol issue, mm-hmm. and once they sober up, it's just like talking to you and I. They're very smart, very intuitive, and uh, usually. So uh, I enjoy teaching that group. Uh, you talk about a group that actually paid attention to what you were teaching. Uh, 80% of that group did, and, and I was a joy teaching them. Uh, like I said, as long as they're sober, they're, they're great to deal with. Yep. So the primary issues they have is alcohol and drug abuse. And with my work, I know that's the foundation of almost all the criminal activity and behaviors that we have. It's all drug and alcohol related yep. at its root. And that's caused by some other things. And I also taught in projects, which uh, uh, housing projects for the poor, and that was not quite as gratifying. Uh, most Why? of the people there didn't have the skills to set through even a class and couldn't listen for more than a few minutes at a time without being distracted. So that that was sort of soul crushing. But uh, I still did that somewhat. But then I flipped over almost exclusively to teaching. Uh, my volunteer work in the jails. I think that's terrific. And, you know, as you pointed out, a lot of the people fundamentally aren't bad people. It's just that the alcohol or the drugs cause them to behave in a manner that is not necessarily consistent with it. And if they truly have an addiction, now they're going to be stealing and doing all those things that are going to put them behind bars to help satisfy their drug habit. And I also know and understand that people who aren't using drugs or alcohol or in addiction, you can either be abstained or you can be recovered. And there are two very different things, as you probably know. Right. So, So, you know, teaching that group was really a a pleasure. Uh, Of course, you know, there's some that don't get it. Uh, They're sitting there and they're consumed with what they don't have rather than what they could have. Right. And that's really unfortunate. And I try to change their minds. And one of the ways I do that is give them a list of 10 people. There's more, but I just stop it at 10. of Prisoners serving time in felony prisons who uh, got out and then became millionaires plus. Right. I saw that in the book, too. You referenced that. And some of them became very successful. So... um, I can understand the, you know, if people are in prison and hopefully the people who are interested in learning are those who are truly rehabilitating and for them to embrace is, I, I, can, I can understand it. I've been teaching for many, many years. I actually taught high school when I was in college, believe it or not. Wow. And I, I teach, I still teach now. Uh, public seminars, I teach to my clients, I do all kinds of, and what I always found is that when people are interested and embrace, it is fulfilling to you as a teacher, and I hear that in your voice. Right. It it was very satisfying, and some of the people I've contacted since they've been released, and uh, they've done very well. Of course, I wouldn't hear from the ones that didn't, but... Well, of course. I mean, you're going to. And by the way, those that didn't probably found themselves back in prison because those are the people who abstained rather than recovered. Right. 
And right. that's just, again, it, it has to deal with dealing with their own demons while they're in there. They get other counseling as well. And, and I always tried to support that. Yeah. Well, you know, that's, that's the one thing about your book that I found fascinating is that you talk almost about financial planning, but not from the technical perspective, but more from the emotional, psychological perspective. I was really fascinated by it. But I believe, too, aren't you co-authoring that book with a woman who is a psychologist? Yeah, she's, she's a therapist. Uh, her name is Michelle Bowles. And what, she is really a, a great person to work with. Um, what's really great about her is she has certification in dealing with people's financial issues. Oh, cool. And she almost specializes uh, now in dealing with couples because couples have so many problems <sighs> trying to uh, come to agreement on how to spend money, how the money should be spent. And oh, then yeah. you get into secret spending. and Oh, yeah, you talked about that in that your book. Problems. Well, you know, it's funny too, Larry. What I've actually had in many cases, not all the time, but in many cases, I actually have... People come to see me to settle the dispute between the husband and wife. Or they want me to prove the one is right and the other one's wrong. And to settle oh the dispute. It's amazing. And by the way, that's not healthy. No, no, it's not. It, it all has to do with goal setting. So you all have to come to the uh, exact idea of what the goals are. And that's one of the conversations that in Larry's world, you'd be required to have before you got married. Of course, it's not Larry's world, so uh, people have to do it on the fly. Yeah, but no, I understand. All, if, but if you both have the same goals and agree those are the goals, not what you want, not what she wants, but agreed upon goals, then you'll work towards those goals. And that's the only thing that will work. And sometimes, too, there needs to be compromise because you know, right. don't always have Absolutely. the same goals. I mean, that's just welcome to marriage. Right, Larry? That's absolutely true. <laughs> so, uh, uh, behaviors, though, of secret spending, uh, hiding resources, oh, yeah. that oh, kind yeah. of stuff, you know, that, that oh, destroys yeah. marriages. Absolutely. You know, you talked about it in the book. And so, here's what we're going to do. Believe it or not, we're up against break already uh, on this episode. And when we come back, I want to go through my notes. There's no way in the world we're even going to get this potentially done in two episodes, but I'm going to do my best. I took okay. a bunch of notes that I want to be able to bring up to serve as talking points, which I'm confident that you and I will have no problem with talking. So uh, stay tuned. We will be back with you in just a few moments. Have you saved enough for retirement? Are you financially prepared for an emergency or unexpected event? Have you thought about your financial future? Hi, I'm Mike Manager, founder of Manager & Associates Financial Planning. For over 20 years, we have been answering our clients' questions just like these as we develop unique and comprehensive financial plans tailored to meet their needs. When addressing your financial plan, we incorporate your entire financial picture, including taxes, estate planning, as well as investment planning and retirement planning. So call us today for a complimentary, no-obligation consultation. A unique approach to financial planning.
Welcome back to Financial Planning Explained. I'm Mike Menninger, Certified Financial Planner, and I'm here with Larry Faulkner, who I'm just loving this, uh, loving this topic. And this is the second segment of our first episode. And what I'd like to do is, is we're going to start diving into the book, okay? Um, I read the book. Uh, it was absolutely fantastic. And what we're going to do is we're going to kind of go through some of it because as I was reading the book, I was taking little notes uh, for the purpose of having talking points on it. The thing that I found most fascinating about the book is it's financial planning explained, but not from the technical perspective, more from the emotional, psychological perspective and how it attacks a lot of different things. So you ready to go, Larry? I am. All right, good. So we talked about, or you talked about in the beginning, goal setting. And, and you know, goal setting is not just finances. Goal setting applies to almost everything you do in life. Um, but you reference, and I have here, and forgive me for all my notes, but you reference in your book ACE, okay, the Adverse Childhood Experience, which, by the way, is throughout the book, and it's ironic, it doesn't apply just to finance, but do me a favor, Larry, fill me in, talk to the viewers, tell us about ACE. Well, ACE is a study that basically changed uh, psychology, and it showed that having adverse childhood experiences, what we're talking about is critical incidents as a child, uh, impact the development of the child, and People who have a lot of critical incidents, like, for instance, sexual abuse, physical abuse, emotional abuse, uh, neglect, uh, and other type of critical incidents, uh, it impacts brain development. And it has a very negative effect upon some people, not everyone, but upon some people uh, in the future. So people who've had a lot of uh, a high A score, and there's a test you can take, and it's uh, linked to it in my book. Mm -hmm. But uh, people have a high A score. They do drugs. They do alcohol. They have self-destructive behaviors. They have all kinds of problems. And one of those problems in a study that I cite in the book is financial management. Mm -hmm. So people who have those traumatic experiences as a child believe that they are not good enough. They are not uh, a worthy person. Now, I know that's not what they think in the front of the brain but it's part of the programming they have. And if you thought, man, I'm not, I'm not a good person, I'm not worthy, you would think that's crazy. But yet your brain in the, in the back programs it. And that's not uh, psych mumbo jumbo. That has to do with the perspective that you have. So our past experiences, our life, all give us a perspective, a view of the world. It's our operating system, like a computer operating system. So if you have a perspective that you're not good enough because of your past experiences, what happens is you sabotage yourself. Yeah. And that's where all these self-sabotaging behaviors come from. Right. They're, people aren't born with it. They're taught it. Or learn it on their own, either one. Right. And, you know, it's interesting that you say that, um, that a lot of what you reference is also applicable to how people behave not just with the financial management, but financial management is another symptom of the underlying problems. And, That's, you know, yes. you, you talk to anybody who's gone through therapy, 
And what therapy does is it's remarkable. And I've been through therapy. We all have it. Some of them, everybody. But uh, I love therapy because what it does is it brought you back to your childhood and kind of put together how you, your childhood shaped and framed you to become whatever it is and certain personality traits. But what you point out in the book is how these also affect your financial management in behavioral aspects. So uh, financial management is just one of an array of symptoms that you have. So people who have uh, lots of life problems, uh, let me back up. People who have chronic money problems also have lots of life problems. Finances impact every single aspect of your life and your problems of your life always impact finances. Right, absolutely. Oh, that's interesting you say that. They're intertwined. So you can't separate finance as a separate item over here to the side. You You can't do that. It's all interrelated like this. You're correct. And so ironically, to piggyback on what you're saying, is if you're always behind the eight ball, that impacts everything you do and your attitude towards life. If you're ahead of the game, that impacts your attitude. But it's ironic, which came first, the chicken or the egg? Typically, the people who are ahead of the game have done a lot of the things that you talk about in this book to overcome a lot of the emotional destructive behavior, which we're going to talk about in one of these segments because I really want to talk about that. Um, it, it, it's the chicken or the egg, but the fact is is that it, once you become aware of the problem, that enables you to begin to take the steps to either fix it or overcome it. And I know you talk about a lot of that in the book, too. That's, that's absolutely true. Once you have a realization of where these, where these uh, negative thoughts or self-destructive behaviors come from, you then can take steps to change them. And, of course, you know, uh, therapy really helps with that. It absolutely does. Uh, but there's other ways of getting there. When you think about your childhood, uh, those experiences, you know, uh, it might be interesting to, to, to learn from these studies that people are impacted by those. Then later on, their self-esteem is damaged. People uh, with high self-esteem have better finances. And that study is also cited in the book. Yeah. And it shows clearly that, uh, and it's your, as a child, high school, especially the critical years, if you had low self-esteem then, the jobs that you get and the things that happen to you aren't as positive as those who have positive self-esteem and then move on to better paying stuff. You know, it's funny too, Larry, and that's what's great about the book, um, is it was a slow read, and the only reason it was a slow read is because as I'm reading it, it took me off to different tangents and thinking about either my own life my own experiences or observing others and i know at some point i wanted to say this but as i'm reading the book or after i read the book i'm like wow this is a must read for the other advisors in my office and not only other advisors in my office 
but if I come across clients who may, or people or whomever, who may suffer from some of the destructive behaviors that you reference in the book, you know, I don't want to correct people, but if you can lead the horse to water and they right. choose to drink it, you know, it's a, that's a tricky thing. But um, we're going to be talking about the self-destructive behaviors, and I know full well there's no way in the world we're going to get it into this episode because, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, that's probably one of the key elements to everything, correct? That's, that, that is it. So, and the uh, constant debting and other things, those are self-destructive behaviors. I, I want to throw out a couple stats that I read in the book. The lack of, of financial, oh my God, I can't even read my own handwriting, um, control and knowledge basically is 77% of Americans. Now, the other one I think is a little bit more, 60% of Americans live paycheck to paycheck and carry an average of $8,300 in credit card debt. So if you don't think that that is stressful in itself, it is. Now, I have to, what also helps me be a better advisor is experience. If you've ever lived it and lived through it, it is something that if you emerge from it, you can appreciate and understand. And it also enables you to have empathy when you're helping other people. Not even clients, anyone, okay? And, and we do a lot of, you know, this is just like what you're talking about. I do a lot of free work. And that is so fulfilling because of the fact that you know you're helping them. And the first thing you've got to do to have any type of financial freedom is get out of the debt, the bad debt, okay? So, Larry, we're approaching the end of the first episode. Okay, like I said to you beforehand, there's no way in the world we're going to get this done in one day. So what we're going to do here is we're going to pick this up in the next episode. Um, thank you very much for joining the show. We will pick up where we left off in the next episode. Thank you very much you. for Financial Planning Explained, and we'll be with you next episode with Larry again. Thank you.